Hi, this is Jean Bruce Scott and Randy Reinholz. And when we're not busily producing some of the most outstanding Native American theater in Los Angeles, we always like to check out the best of British audio adventures with Alex Lefchuk and his team of the Midweek Drive and Midweek Drive Morning Editions on Siren FM and Southside Broadcasting. Podbean.com. When the fun stops, stop. That's a phrase that we've heard quite frequently relating to, obviously, the gambling industry. And yet you don't have to be an expert in communications theory to realize that we're constantly being bombarded with messages about how fun gambling can be and so on and so forth. Well, actually, there can be a whole range of other challenges with respect to this as well, as a recent survey from Gamble Aware has actually shown. And to talk us through some of the major challenges about uh, gambling and the levels of gambling in the United Kingdom, we're delighted to welcome that awesomely talented media medic extraordinaire it's dr hillary jones how are you hillary i'm very well alex and thanks for that wonderfully generous um invitation you know that by now hillary we always like to call it as as they are basically and that's that's uh, very much the case but sadly this particular survey does suggest that there are major issues with respect to how people don't stop when the fun stops and actually it can create a whole range of medical and psychological issues Absolutely. Um, You know, lots of people enjoy a little flutter now and again, um, but they know when to stop. They know what they can afford to to risk when they gamble. Um, And it can be fun. The problem is that for some people, they don't know when to stop and that there may be all sorts of reasons why they want to gamble further. They may have lost a little bit of money and think next time they'll be luckier or they've made a win and they think that every time they're going to win. But ultimately, the more you gamble, the more you lose. Um, the gambling industry is, is um, you know, based on the fact that it, it, uh, it earns profit out of other people. And unfortunately, 2.9 million people in the UK are at risk of gambling harms. And 1.4 million people are already suffering gambling harm. And it, not, it might not just be financial harm. It could be um, it's affecting their relationships. It's affecting their jobs, um, their employment. Uh, it may be driving them to crime, uh, to raise the money, to gamble further. The good news is, is there is plenty of help available. And I want to talk a bit more about that. I mean, this is something which I, mean, I return. I, I recall my A-level statistician when we were dealing with uh, probability theory back in the day, back in the eighties, a long, long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when uh, you know the line was, "You never saw a poor bookie," and he actually demonstrated how actually no, you don't actually. Um, yeah. You know, you, no matter how much you want, you want to chase the bet and go through that process, it literally is not good. And you alluded to some of those challenges that were faced with. Does it become almost like ob- ob- obsessive? an obsession that actually you feel I've got the fever. I've got to actually chase the whole thing. The next time it could all be different. No, absolutely. It's an addiction. It's as addictive as tobacco or alcohol or recreational drugs. People get drawn into it because when you do have a little win um, or a big win, it, it, um, it, 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 it lights up the pleasure pathway to the brain. People get a a thrill from it and they think I'd like to do that again, not realizing that there's always a downside and the downside can be very serious affecting their mental and physical health. Um, So yes, it's addictive and, and some people have more addictive personalities than others. The trick is to be able to say, you know, this is the time to stop. This is what I can afford to lose. And now I stop. Um, you know, whether it's um, the bookies or whether it's the national lottery or um, online gambling, um, you know, different age groups will tend to gamble in different ways. It could be the dogs. It could be the horses. There are all sorts of ways of losing a lot of money. 
Um, and, um, you know, it's about keeping it under control. The good news, as I say, is that we do have the National Gambling Treatment Service, which is set up uh, in conjunction with the NHS and uh, lots of independent charities around the country where people can get help. And they've already helped last year eight and a half thousand people. And nine out of 10 people who seek help say it's very effective and it's been able to treat and support them. However, for every one person that comes forward to admit that they've got a problem, there's probably 160 other people for every one of them who aren't seeking help, either because of guilt or shame um, or because they're doing what they're doing in secret. Um, and, and they need help. And what I'm saying is, look, we don't judge people. Um, the help is there. It can be one to one, either on the telephone or online. It can be through a support group um, with people who've been through what you're going through. There are all sorts of ways of, of helping you. And we want you to come forward and get that help if you need it. Presumably, this is something that doesn't necessarily affect just one strand of society. It's literally people from all walks of life that can actually suffer this addiction. They get that initial win, perhaps. And, and, and then, as you said, they become addicted to this whole area. Absolutely. So different sort of gambling habits are enjoyed by different um, types of people. So age comes into it. So does gender. Men are more likely to, to gamble uh, and get into problems than, than women. Um, all age groups are affected. Some people start really early in life. Um, some people start when they're older. But ethnicity as well comes into it. So does health inequality. We know that a lot of people who are financially deprived risk everything by by gambling and they just get into a deeper and deeper hole. And, you know, we want to help everybody, whatever their position in life. The help is there. And the numbers to call if people want that help is 0808. 802133, or you can go online to begambleaware.org forward slash NGTS, which is the, um, uh, the site for um, uh, the National Gambling Treatment Service. We know the harm that alcoholism can actually do and uh, obviously uh, impact the system and it's a poison and uh, there's a whole range of things with respect to that. Certainly we've spoken many times over the years about the tobacco industry and aspects related to that. Is it because gambling doesn't have those immediate health aspects and, 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 and it is that sort of benefit that maybe makes this even more pernicious? And as I said at the start, because it does seem to be ubiquitous. I mean, we've just come out of obviously Cheltenham. Great fun, fantastic experience. I was fortunate enough to be there a few years ago. It wasn't last week. But in terms of the whole system, you know, you could say, great, there is that. But then there's almost a kind of general pressure to take part in this and then literally not knowing when to stop. Absolutely. It's something that's quite easy to do in secret um, when it's hidden away. Um, so, so people will notice if you've been drinking, they either smell alcohol in your breath or they see the drinking behaviours. Same with tobacco, same with recreational drugs. The signs are perhaps more obvious. Um, uh, eating disorders, perhaps a bit more uh, secretive and, and hidden away. But certainly gambling, anyone can go into the bookies um, without anybody knowing. And they come out and, five minutes, you know, they, they look the same. They behave the same. Or indeed online, which is even more pernicious in its own way. It, exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, they can hide things away for a long time and they'll perhaps uh, they'll, they'll perhaps hide the debts they're in. They'll borrow money or they'll steal money. Um, uh, and, and this addiction drives them to do things they wouldn't normally do. And that's when gambling becomes harmful. Um, and it's important that we 
start up a narrative whereby we explain that and, and we get people to control their, their gambling, but also if it's got out of control to seek help as soon as possible to, to put it right. Okay, let's just uh, remind people of taking that first step uh, to recovery because it is a first step and, and it, it's, a, it's a brave step that needs to be taken. But at the same time, uh, Gamble Aware is very much there to help. So is the National Gambling Treatment Service. Uh, Hilary would like to just mention the, the, the contact details one more time. Yes, it's 0808 8020 133. Or if you want to go uh, to the website, it's begambleaware.org forward slash NGTS. And nine out of 10 people who use this service said it was very effective and it helped them hugely. Dr. Hilary Jones has an absolute delight. Um, I, I always like the line media medic because God knows the media is in aid of as much help as it can get these days. And you need to sort of obviously keep on inputting from that side of things. But that's absolutely. another line entirely. Uh, Dr. Yeah, Hilary, indeed. many thanks. Take care. And hopefully we'll speak okay. again very soon. Look forward to it. Take care now. Bye bye. Never met nobody like you. Had friends and I've had buddies. It's true, but they don't turn my tummy the way you do. I never met nobody like you. You never know on my mind. Oh my, oh my, I'm never not by your side, your side, your side I'm never gonna let you cry, oh cry, don't cry I'm never not be alright, oh I'll die, alright Let's call it what it is, it's a masterpiece Got a whole lot of love for them city streets Tonight is the place to be Got a big boombox and a new CD Come on, everybody let's tear it up If you want mad skills, you can share with us I want everybody to stop and stare And you know why it's me Woo! Uh. Yeah. <laughs> let's go You're never not on my mind Oh my Oh my, I'm never not by your side, your side, your side I'm never gonna let you cry, oh cry, no cry I'll never not be alright, or die, alright And where we stop, who knows, with, of course, uh, Academy Awards, Royal Visits and the return of Rebecca Bond is just wondrous, really. Uh, Richard, 
has obviously decided in a fit of hubris to basically uh, submit his uh, Academy Award nominations, as indeed has Natasha, as indeed has Phil Leonis. I have them all, and I can say that, Richard, unless miracles happen, you don't stand a cat in Hades chance of actually winning. I'm sorry, but you've only done nine submissions. Nine out of ten. I know. It isn't necessary. Surely uh, you would have you would have made the rules clear. You never knew. <laughs> I did, and, and Natasha and Phil have clearly followed that through. So you know, I, sh- I shall quote actually from Phil Leonis himself in terms of uh, his his response to the whole thing, which which does reveal a huge amount of the the the, the already the controversy that's actually opening up in this in terms of this side of things, uh, as he actually said in Phil Leonis's. Uh, a line of, uh, of, of predictions, he says as follows, unless I am reading this incorrectly, you let Richie get away with not making a prediction for best picture. It seems oh, as if he says it will be either of two. No, he doesn't I, I pick really, them between them. He I says really, the power I, of the dog should win, but refuses to say who will. No, Attached to my picks, and I did not look at his until I finished mine, two things stand out. As ever, number one, I picked all 23 categories. Two, depending on how you view Richie's blatant disregard of best picture prediction protocol, blatant disregard of best picture prediction protocol, I think we will end up in a tie. As unless I am mistaken, we have the same picks in all the categories he bothered to predict. Fighting words from Phil Leonis there, but it might be that... Natasha could actually sort of win as a matter of default, really. But what the hell? Yes, it's possible. But I, I'll go. I mean, I will go with the power. Too late now, power. Richard. It's, it's, you've submitted. <laughs> I mean, this is it. It's, uh, I, I'm not going any further. You, know, you may have struggled as the child does in, of course, turning well, red. So you, when you were reading my predictions, you were like the child who's behind you <laughs> at the end. Or the parent who's behind the child, who's behind the person as well. Uh, Natasha, we'll come to you first for your Turning Red review, I feel, uh, because there's no way Richard will see this until it's actually made as a live-action version, even though it is a wonderful coming-of-age movie. Please share with us what did you make of Pixar's latest entry, for which I would ultimately give 7 out of 10 for, just like your sister, was going up to 8, but then I think the end credit spoiled it. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, so um, a lot of a uh, lot of big milestones in this one. So this is Pixar's twenty fifth animated movie. It is also the first Pixar film to be solely directed by a woman, and it is the second ever Pixar film to have a Asian uh, Asian lead in it. So that's really interesting. Um, there's a lot of positives about this movie. I'll give you a score a little bit later on, but I'll just go into a bit of a synopsis first. So set in Toronto uh, in 2002, if uh, we can all remember that far back, uh, Turning Red follows Nei Li, a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian student who, due to a hereditary curse, uh, transforms into a giant red panda when she becomes too emotional. Um, Chaos obviously ensues. Um, when friends find out about said curse and uh, certain boy bands get involved and there's, there's a whole hoo-ha of fun in this one. Four town, um, four town. Four town, but there's five of them, but it's four town. <laughs> Do you know, if anything, this movie, I think this movie has a, it's very confident in who it thinks it's aimed at and it's very confident in nailing that. I I think that it's directly thinking of that sort of millennial kind of audience. And then whoever it sort of picks up along the way is great. 
but I can see very much, depending on your generation, you're reacting it's to it It's got Tamagotchis in it, Natasha. Any movie that's got right. a Tamagotchi in it, it's got to be perfect, really. Right. I mean, well, this, this one is great for me because it, there were so many moments in this that it did take me back to my childhood. It took me back to maybe not even some of the most, you know, great parts of my childhood. Some moments you're thinking, oh my God, that was me when I was 13. Oh, crikey. Um, but yeah, it, it did revoke a lot of memories, provoke a lot of memories for me. Now, I've, my sister is obviously, um, there's a nine year difference between myself and my sister. She is Gen Z, very directly Gen Z. I'm not sure a lot of it she got. I think some of it... You know, Natasha, it's Generation head. Z, okay? We're, we're not pandering to <laughs> Kathy Manso just because she's American, please. You know, Ge Generation Z. Let's be, let's be precise here. Exactly. But I think that it is a generational thing with this one. Some people will love it. Some people will hate it. I think the messages are really important in it. And I've seen, unfortunately, a lot of hate online, as I was discussing and maybe hinting at last week, because of the themes that it discusses. People thinking that you know, puberty and themes of growing up aren't really appropriate in a kid's movie. I just want to first up salute the movie for actually showing sanitary products in a movie because that is groundbreaking and that is wonderful. And why hasn't this happened sooner? Why haven't we, you know, had discussing, discussions of cramps and tampons and stuff in movies and just treat women like real women. So well done for that. Um, yes, there, it's not a perfect movie. I would give it seven and a half, probably. Um, my sister gave it a seven, my dad a six and a half. So you can kind of see the generational divide there. Depending and I've gone for seven, as I said. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed this movie. And I think it's a very important movie. I do think that we should be talking about these issues more in a more mainstream environment. And hey, if this is getting people to talk, and if this is getting children to talk and open up, and it can be used as references, maybe even in a classroom space and in, in a, you know, in a primary or Catholic elementary school space, then Great, I'm all for it. I think it's a good movie. Okay, let's go around the team. Kathy Manso, Turning Red. Have you seen it as yet? Is it one for you? Is it a case of no, my pandas are black and white. The red panda that actually emerges in other parts of China is not really for me. <laughs> no, I did watch it. And I remember my first reaction of it was, are red pandas that big? Like, I'm confused. Um, <laughs> and they are not. Um, <laughs> but besides that, um, I, I liked the film a lot. I mean, I... Exactly. It catered to me. Like, <laughs> definitely, for sure. Um, <laughs> I got all the jokes. I, I also like pointed out, like, I could see the year that it was made and or like it's supposed to be happening in and it made even more sense from there. But uh, I mean, just kind of to exactly echo what Natasha is saying, it's talking about a lot of things that need to be talked about, especially since these are a lot of shared experiences, you know, like <laughs> just just the shared experience of being a teenager who's easily embarrassed is something we can all agree with uh <laughs> so and there's a lot of different ways that happens in and uh i like that they did it in a way that hadn't been done before in in an animation you know it's important and oh man talk about family dynamics especially like that's a huge aspect because we all know this family dynamic it doesn't exactly mean you have to be from toronto or have a background or no we we know family oh, dynamics <laughs> exactly <laughs> Rebecca Bond, as you've obviously sort of decided to do a tribute to Turning Red by actually going for a slightly red colour in, in your own sort of hairstyles there, which is wonderful. Have you seen Turning Red or is it a case of no? I'm afraid I'm too busy working on my, on my dissertation. 
I'm afraid that is the case. I'm yet to see it, but um, I have seen the trailer for it and it has definitely piqued my interest. As Natasha pointed out, I think it it raises some really important issues um, while also being a fun animated film. So it's definitely on my list to go and see, but once all this work is out the way and I can sit down and be guilt-free about not doing work. <laughs> It's not in the league for me as uh, Inside Out was, which still gets a perfect 10. Turning red for me is seven. But as we turn to Wimbledon, Sarah Huntley, congratulations. Congratulations to Imogen Britain, of course, your daughter, Imogen Britain Huntley, or Imogen Huntley Britain, whatever. Uh, she has actually now become a fully qualified doctor, or has she just passed her next stage of medical exams? Oh, she's a doctor. She's there a you doctor. are, you see, there is a doctor in the house, quite literally. <laughs> well, going to say that. Well, she doesn't officially get the Dr. Britain till her, I was going to say registration. I'm so tired, guys. I'm going mad. Uh, till, you know, graduation. But she's done it all now. Yeah. So that's good. There uh, you are, yeah. you see. Yeah. And, and yeah. Where, she, where will she be practicing until she gets better? Sorry. <laughs> well, she's currently practicing in Sri Lanka at the moment. Um, but um, she'll be back in Wales, somewhere in Wales, somewhere in Wales, trying to be an anaesthetist now. So yeah, that was a momentous, but, but um, this dance is very interesting, this film. I, I'm afraid I'm a bit like Natasha, but I'm determined to be a better member of this team. So I've just gone through quite a, uh, I know everyone has meeting deadlines, but oh, I'm- really, Sarah, I'm, I'm, you're, you're a key member of the team. You don't flagrantly disregard no. the rules um, of, of Oscar predictions like, like some people have been prone to do. Just... <laughs> oh no, oh dear, I missed the banter already, guys. Have they started? Um, yes. <laughs> This is why it's as entertaining you you and Richard as it is listening about the films, quite honestly. Um, but I just had a, quite a good hope that if I managed to get on my flight to Sri Lanka on Saturday, um, I might very well be able to watch some of these films on the plane. So I, I promise to catch up. Well, let's move from that because Richard, I think it's fair to say, uh, has what's been said uh, persuaded you in any way to say, do you know, I might give that animation Turning Red a chance. After all, the last animated movie I saw was Zootropolis. Um, it's sinister, Alex, the way you keep track of my movements and enjoy it. But I do compliment uh, Natasha on a very sensitive review. And it does sound a movie that, you know, that should be made and indeed raises some important issues and seems to be uh, excellent of its type. I, I do admit this is very unfortunate. It's simply that animated movies don't normally do it for me but yes i ought to catch and you occasion. love coming of age movies richard i know you love them and so you can't get enough of them really oh, how much you are yes coming of age movies are perfection for me like licorice pizza for example exactly like like catnip yeah. to a little kitten it's amazing um anyway let's move on to the phantom of the open your first one up today effectively richard so uh why should people go and see mike rylance in this little epic all about the strangely wonderful for sport of golf. Well, firstly, Alex, it is not, that is, I'm sure everyone will have noticed the misuse of the term epic. Uh, firstly, there's no such thing as a little epic. It's a contradiction in terms. It's an oxymoron. What we need is a new cliche, Alex. But no, uh, The Phantom of the Open is quite interesting that this is the say roughly the same time we were talking about the Duke, the 
film about the theft of the Goya from the National Gallery, where Jim Broadbent uh, plays Kempton Bunton. Can you imagine such a person? And walks off with the painting or whatever happens, no spoilers. The facts are, though, that this was based on a real-life art theft, and everyone was very confused. Now, here it's based on the world's worst golfer, Morris Flitcroft, and it's very enjoyable, directed by... Craig Roberts. Mark Rylance is always worth seeing. I mean, on on stage, I've seen him several times um, in Jerusalem, a remarkable play considered one of the great performances, the theatrical performances of the last decade. I mean, that that was just phenomenal. And Boeing, Boeing, I mean, the uh, comic movement couldn't be couldn't be bettered. I mean, he he really is a he is the reason to see this. Apart from the fact it's great fun, he works at Barrow in Furness at Vickers. He's a crane operator. What do you do when you lose your job? Well, he's the eternal optimist and always with the support of family and friends. He decides he's going to be a golfer. Now he's never played a round of golf, but of course the movie has the obvious targets of the snobby elitist. Um, clubs and in fact those running the British Open because he has the audacity though he doesn't know the game or anything about it to take the professional which apparently he did nobody would dare after all surely um, apply for the British Open and take professional when they'd never played golf before so he has the worst ever round of 121 um, and indeed everyone is outraged at least, should I say, the officials and other golfers are, but he becomes something of a celebrity. Indeed, to the extent where in America they have the world's worst golf tournament and uh, the winner is the worst scorer, so he and his family go over there and so forth. It may sound a bit cliched, Sally Hawkins is uh, his supportive wife, but nonetheless, Rylance is... He's quirky, he's amusing, he's supported by his family. One of them is a manager at Vickers and doesn't, his boss, dreadful um, wig, I would add in that case, doesn't much appreciate the uh, activities of uh, this, this Morris Fitcroft. It's all true. And, you know, it's one of these very, very enjoyable movies. What he does, having been uh, scored 121, he returns under pseudonyms. He play, pretends to be uh, French and uh, calls himself Gerard Happy, so, or Hoppy, so... <laughs> they eventually discover that he's got a new a wig and it's him. And this apparently was the case. He, he never stopped. And in fact, he became part and parcel of the tournament uh, in reality, apparently. Is this once um, again celebrating British incompetence, Richard? Is this well, like I, the Eagle Edwards, basically just saying that we're hopeless? Well, I, mean, I myself I, always had difficulty with the appropriate grip on a golf, uh, on a golf uh, club, basically. So. Well, I, you know, uh, I've never used a golf club uh, other than once at the Royal St Andrews, and it was. And that was just to beat off the fans. And that was, of course, to do as you just as you say. But he did get fans. He got vast amounts of publicity, and I mean, visually, it's rather colourful. Rylance is entertaining. You're looking for the, what you get, and anyone who goes to see it will probably enjoy it. There's the usual, as I mentioned, send up of uh, the elitist officials, and also there is uh, they're quite good performances by Jack Davies playing Michael, who's a manager of uh, Vickers, and also Christian. 
and Jonah Lease, who play the twins, who, well, as the eternal optimist, if they want to be musicians, he says, go with your dreams. So, I mean, all right, it's cliched, but it's good fun at uh, the level that it operates at, which is rather similar to the Duke. People who enjoy that will enjoy this, but Rylance is very, very good. Phantom of the Open, one for yourself, Rebecca Bond. It definitely sounds interesting. I may try it, but again, I've got such a long list of things that I want to watch that it might take a further down place of the list, but certainly one that I might give a go. Natasha, have you caught the uh, trailers? Is this one which you think, yes, obviously we need to actually see uh, 102 minutes of Mark Rylance in action? <laughs> I'll unmute myself. Oh yes, definitely. I, I, sign me up, tie me down. I, I, I am, I am one for this one. I, I've, I've only seen the trailer, and I want to give it ten out of ten. This looks absolutely marvelous. I think it, it really is personal for me because my grandfather is so into gro- into golf. He's ninety one, and he plays eighteen holes of golf twice a week. Still bless him. And so it just really reminded me of him, and I could see him doing something crazy like this. So yeah, this this is this is definitely one I'd watch. And if I could, if I was back in the UK, I'd take my granddad to see it as well. But will it go in cricket-loving Australia? That's the big question. Do you know what? People here have a great sense of humour and it looks a lot of fun. Well, you've had to, looks- you've been in lockdown for two and- years. Sorry, I missed that. You've had to, you've been in lockdown for two years. Sense of humour goes with the actual Australian scenario, surely. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I We've just had a month-long festival called Fringe here. And uh, last last Saturday, I was delighted by uh, Disney and drag. And let me tell you, the, the gags in that, Australians have not lost their sense of humour. And they have not lost their sense of, of the quirky. <laughs> well, it's sign me up, tie me down. That's, of course, another little film that we could talk about, but perhaps not on this particular programme. Uh, Sarah Huntley, is uh, this particular Mark Rylance opus one for you? Oh, yes, definitely. I really like Mark Rylance very, very much. And I saw him in Jerusalem. He's a very interesting actor. He's quite controversial. Um, So it's interesting that actually he's chosen to do something a bit middle of the road, uh, which I'm very middle of the road. So that's the kind of thing I like. I also like Sally Hawkins very much. Um, She was Mrs. Brown in Paddington. I think she's a really interesting actress. So I would definitely watch it. I'm like Natasha. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know a lot of golf obsessed people and um, they can be quite irritating. Um, so I think I will, not that your granddad's irritating, there's some gorgeous ones and there's some lovely ones, but um, they can be quite intimidating, um, especially if you walk across the wrong bit of golf course or something. Um, so I, I, I think I'll get it completely. And um, I, think that's, I think that's what we all need to laugh. Oh. Yeah, more, more of this kind of thing. Good cast. Oh, God, yes. No, I, I was told off for not wearing the flat shoe on the trouser on the links, you know, going to get my dad actually from oh, oh, Sunday lunch. But yeah, they are quite formidable. I think it's the women golfers that are the, the worst, actually. You know, I would I feel quite scared meeting the captain of the women's team or whatever they call them. Um, and it's, it's a little bit, sorry, but it's a little bit misogynistic still in some golf courses in this country. I think with... You know, in some golf courses still in the clubhouse, you're not allowed to go into certain areas if you're a woman. So I've probably been very controversial there. 
I have this guy, Sarah, as uh, General Fitcrop does. He tries different wigs, different names. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I actually got married at Chislehurst Golf Course, which is um, very of that ilk. Um, and, and it's actually a, uh, it was a palace. Um, but yeah, it was quite um, the do's and don'ts, quite a, quite a big list, put it that way, I think. But I, I, it's Britishness, isn't it? I enjoy all that and having a verb laugh at ourselves. Cathy, mm. is that a case of you look at this uh, British obsession with uh, protocol and golfing and say, why did the Scots ever invent it? Uh, just so the Americans could actually have something else we can win at regularly in terms of the, uh, the, 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 the championships? <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack here. Like, because I agree with everything Sarah Huntley has said, like everything because my dad he's a golfer and for when it's his birthday or father's day or something I'll try and do something golf related with him like get him a voucher for 18 holes or something like that right and I remember walking into these places for the first time just go and like dress nicely nothing crazy and someone straight up asked me are you lost I was like no I'm supposed to be here <laughs> I just I'm going to the gift shop they're like you sure I'm sure. <laughs> so I, any film that's already going to make fun of this is a film that I'm going to support. Because <laughs> I, I think that's what makes it entertaining. It's, and it doesn't have to just be golf. It's any, anything that takes itself a little too seriously uh, is already open to make fun of. <laughs> and I'm excited for that, which is why I'm willing to watch this immediately. <laughs> Phantom of the Open, one uh, that you should obviously check out, uh, bar saying four. Uh, this will be the last royal visit to Jamaica, according to former royal correspondent Jenny Bond. Quite definite in that, the last royal visit to Jamaica. Is it just time to actually start paying reparations and say, look, you might swim with sharks, you might actually be photographed accidentally uh, putting your hands through uh, gates and so on and so forth at football games and Raheem Sterling scenario, or maybe it's just a case of Honestly, once Her Majesty finally uh, ascends to heaven, it's time to actually wrap up this royal nonsense once and for all. Richard, your view on the, uh, the tour? Well, the tour, I mean, I would say this. Uh, quite honestly, we expect these tours to go like clockwork. And, I mean, they haven't always. There was the Queen's, I think it was 1987, Tour of India, where Robin Cook uh, got in on the act, and most certainly it was not a success. Meghan but and Harry in Africa. Meghan and Harry in Africa actually had a very successful tour until the last day when they decided to go rogue, as oh, you remember. So it wasn't successful, surely? Well, I mean... <sighs> It depends on your point of view, but the problem with this, and there's absolutely no denying it, it isn't the fact that it wasn't a disaster in Belize, Jamaica, and the Bahamas of what the people may have thought and so forth. A lot of people had a lot of pleasure out of it. It is the images that remain, and that's the problem, because most royal tours, they go off perfectly. People... Uh, we have Catherine uh, with the early years, the first study of childhood, William and the Earthshot Prize and the environment, their banquets and uh, their rather spectacular fashions, all of that. No, the, the images here, firstly, the thought of going in the Queen's uh, Land Rover, which she'd used uh, 50 years ago or 60 years ago uh, to review cadets, 
became a colonial image. And secondly, as Alex has mentioned, and as you all have seen, uh, with, although the Raheem Sterling himself was reaching through the wire for the children, it's the image, it's the perception, and also, let's be absolutely frank, it's the malign use of images by those who, and there are plenty of them, I know this online, uh, cannot stand the Cambridges, and also there was the surprise where the Prime Minister Holness of Jamaica made it clear to his guests in person that he wanted a republic. I would add, for those who are interested, that um, Michael Manley, who became Jamaica's Prime Minister in 1972, was a republican. Most of the prime ministers have been republicans. It's been an issue for 50 years, but with Black Lives Matter, with changing moods... And with Jesus College Cambridge effectively uh, refusing to actually get rid of all of the uh, racist uh, uh, statues and such like, I mean, is is there any reason that the world isn't sort of very upset with the, the Cambridges? No, but I mean, the problem, the problem is uh, that it was not so much what happened, although the first uh, event on the tour was postponed, that was bad planning. They may well also be a bit out of touch. It's over two years since there's been a royal tour of the sort, worth remembering that there's going to be plenty of post-mortems on this. But William and Alex, uh, you should mention this, has just made the statement that, you know, he doesn't see an automatic succession, that he should be one day the head of the Commonwealth. He's reaffirmed the Queen's commitments. His 14 out of 54 Commonwealth nations are still monarchies um, to service. And also there is this point, I mean, regarding an apology for slavery or the condemnation of it as an atrocity. If you apologise, you have to pay for it, Richard. Yeah, I know that is exactly the point that the government would have uh, realised. We can't afford it. Rishi Sunak's already kind of down to his last several billion. The problem with this tour is it has become notorious. It's in the age of social media. There were bad mistakes. William has shown humility in the statement, although I reach for my Daily Mail. Oh, please, don't. This is rubbish. William, I may not rule the Commonwealth. May I share, may I just display absolute trash because he doesn't rule the Commonwealth. It's a the British monarch is the titular head of the Commonwealth. Quite honestly, it makes sense. First, if all bar two were formed British colonies, but that's not the point. The Richard, point, I, 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 I'm point. shocked. I mean, the point, the, the point, the point really is that if you had a rotating headship, which you could have, you could find some monstrous regime and the head of them becomes the head of the Commonwealth. Oh, Richard, come on now. Donald Trump has to be our Commonwealth leader. If he doesn't get presidency in 2024, he should be invited as a golfer from Scotland to actually take on board the role. Perhaps, Alex, you would prefer a bureaucrat nobody has heard of. The British monarchy, for all the problems they've had this last week, has got that factor of glamour they it's literally a fact that our best use of soft power, look at the way the Cambridges and others have been uh, used. Okay, Richard, let's, let's hold it there. I mean, I'm still shocked by you actually holding up the Daily Mail uh, and criticising it, which is quite shocking, really. But still, uh, Rebecca, uh, from your own point of view, and I don't think we actually found out whether you were going to see Phantom of the Open either, um, but will, will this be something where you sort of shocked with respect to the Cambridges? Do you think, yep, you are of the generation which will see the demise of monarchy in the Republic of England? 
I Loretta. must admit, I, I've been very much burying my head in the sand when it comes to the news at the moment. It's always very depressing. There's a lot to keep up with and it's very overwhelming, if I'm honest. So I haven't been keeping up to date with all of the um, the newest updates, especially with regards to the royal family. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see the way it's going. And I think every time we talk about this, it's interesting because I think there is definitely a generational difference in view, when, especially when I talk to people my age and then come and talk on you know a show here and I think it's really interesting to see the different views but personally I don't think I can offer mine here very well because I'm not very up to date. Sarah Huntley uh any thoughts from your own perspective do you feel as though Richard's actually right to actually go to war with the Daily Mail over this? Oh it's such a difficult one I think actually I I, I agree with what you're saying Alex different generations have different perspectives on royalty I mean I like the royal family um, I think the trouble is with everything at the moment is, and I think it's just being personified, everything you do, if you put it out there, is open to scrutiny, isn't it? Including the royal family. So, it, and different generations are going to interpret it in different ways. And I think I'm old now. It's just how I interpret it. So it's it experience, uh, Sarah, experientially enhanced, never old, surely. Well, yes. So my daughter, who's 23, who's probably similar to some of the people we've got on the show, would have one view. She does like the Queen very much. So what I would say is I respect the Queen enormously because whatever problem you're having, however privileged she may be, um, she maintains a dignified, stoical, hopeful way of going on. And I really hope she lasts for a very long time. And I think that... William and Kate have taken that on board. So um, if you put yourself out there for going on a tour, yes, there's going to be people, but, you know, everyone's got something to bang on about. And I get a bit sick of it, actually. I think, um, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting, isn't it? I mean, I had somebody in my class who's a Russian who has fled this week, a, a little girl come to stay, you know, with another little girl. And then that puts Anne out of perspective the last issues of people with terrible issues. So yes, I, I think black lives matter enormously. I think living in London, I'm pretty up there with what I should do, but not intentionally. I probably have done something incorrect to some political party or issue. Sarah, remember latest posters on the underground, staring is harassment, okay? Just be wearing, <laughs> don't stare. <laughs> That's me up there then, because as an actress, I love studying people. I'm like flipping uh? flea bag out staring people on the queue yeah. so i uh, i haven't really answered the question but i think we should all carry on doing what we're doing and be aware that we could get criticism for it but if it's not doing any harm and if it's trying to do good then i think even if you're not a royalist surely it's about making the world um a bit smaller and everybody embracing one another and what the world needs now is love, sweet love. I mean, I'm if sorry. If only the world could be like a Pixar movie ending. Kathy Manso, yeah. is yeah, this something which, once again, you look at it and you think, gosh, those Brits, I'm glad we actually had the right decision back in 1776. <laughs> oh, things, things were decided in 76. <laughs> and, you know, other countries had similar uh, opinions, <laughs> as we can see historically. But, uh, I mean, I have no personal qualms with the royal family. <laughs> uh, I think I'm, I'm interested. I always like studying about it. I'm definitely, I definitely like reading up on the history of it and how it's come to be. But I think the 
problem and it's not just the royal family it's any it's any sort of person or figure that has like power and authority and change it's the problem of not uh it's not to say that you need to claim what was wrong i mean it helps sure it's the process of that but i think like anyone it's about evolving and you can't fix a problem without acknowledging the problem you know, or Personally, I'm was. quite happy with Raheem Sterling. He's doing great stuff in Manchester City and long may he continue to do so. That's all I have to say <laughs> about the whole matter. Uh, so, uh, William, of course, being an Aston Villa supporter, I'm sorry, we're just not on the same page. Uh, we, 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 we took Jack Grealish from them and all's well with the world. Uh, Natasha, uh, allowing for those football references, which presumably just went over your head completely because you're not an association football fan. What are your views on this one as a representative of British monarchy in that Republic of Australia? <laughs> uh, who knows? Who knows what the future holds in terms of that? I'm now singing Hamilton, by the way, just after Kathy's, which is wonderful. Um, yeah, no, it it's a tough one, and I, I I agree with elements of what everyone here has said. I I I love the Queen. I I think that there are times when the royal family can do a lot of good. And I think that it can weigh in and have a lot of say and highlight a lot of issues that are very important in the world and on the global stage. And I think that that's very important to have people that do that. Um, and I, but I also agree with what Kathy's saying in terms of it not just being a royal problem. Um, I think politically people in power, there is this sort of issue at the minute of people, the public being out of touch, being out of touch with the public. And I think that if you're going to do a tour and if you're going to, you know, you know that these images are going to be splashed everywhere. You know that this is going to be big news. I know that those photos aren't necessarily their fault, but but maybe just just think, just think someone needed to have thought someone needed to have thought that maybe a photo up during that fence, just someone. It, I mean, it's not necessarily Catherine or William's fault and bless them. They will they will unfortunately bear the blame for that. But someone on the team needed to see that and think. It's that sloppy is... public relations, isn't it? They're not getting the propaganda right. They're not on message. They're basically not using the Edward Bernays approach of actually getting those messages combined and put together. And Rebecca, of course, I before think... she'd have to have a whole lecture on this on Monday when I talk about propaganda in public relations. <laughs> so there we are. Yeah, it's just a matter of, I think, evolving and being sensitive to this time. Now, obviously, as Sarah said, there are bigger issues. You know, there are, you know, other people have got a lot to deal with it, but just knowing what's happened and knowing what is ongoing. And I think just making sure that you're being sensitive to that, especially when you're putting things out globally and whether that's people on the team who need to evaluate as Richard said they will, or whether that's, you know, they obviously can help contribute in that. It's not, I'm not saying it's their fault at all. It's their team's fault, but images should not have been put out that were put out. Is, is what I'm saying. And on that point, we have to say no time to talk about Paris 13th District this week. I know it's a shock, Richard, but time as ever races away from us. But I do want to have a quick uh, round robin check to see Rebecca Bond. Will you be actually watching the Academy Awards? Do you have any interest at all or is it just a case of mm, no? I think I might. Every time it comes around, I say I will and then tend to have an excuse that I don't. I think this time I certainly will so that next time I come on here I can give you a bit of my feedback on what I thought. Well Yaz de Graaf is currently trying to make a dent in her dissertation. She needs to write it not put a dent in it but never mind. Sorry Yaz we're going to be fine. Uh, Sarah what about yourself? Are you going to be tuned in to what's happening with the trinkets of Hollywood? Oh yes yes it's really whetted my appetite definitely definitely. Okay Kathy Manso, is this one for you? Will you be having a block party at Lincoln to actually celebrate Oscar night? 
I mean, why not? If I can get more people involved, we'll start, we'll start the campaign, Alex. We'll spread it across the campus. <laughs> and Natasha, um, given that, let me say, I mean, time-wise, I suppose you'll be in the middle of tomorrow, basically, when the Oscars are actually running. So uh, presumably not, or maybe the middle of your night. Yeah, timing-wise, I, I will be watching it, just it won't be live. Um, timing-wise, it doesn't obviously work out for me brilliantly, because I'll be kind of I think I'll be either waking up or I'll be at work so it's it's not great for that but I will obviously be watching it and then probably cringing at all the mistakes I made in my lovely prediction. (laughs) Unless there's a complete catastrophe I mean given that Richard has shown a a flagrant disregard for the actual rulings of of the actual prediction thing which we've run for many years now I I think you're guaranteed second position at least there's only only Phil Lears who's ahead of you at this stage so we'll just have to see. The main thing is I think we know who is going to win all the awards the major awards uh, we're perfectly well aware it'll be Will Smith for Best Actor. We know, or pretty certainly, just Jessica Castain for Best Actress. There'll be Ariana DeBose and Troy Kotzer for Supporting Actress and Supporting Actor, and also Jane Campion for Director. What about Best Picture? And that will be the end, and that will keep them on the edge of their seat. I'm all for the odd surprise, but the problem with the Oscars is that they have really got a struggle. Eight categories have been truncated. ABC made it clear to um, the Academy it had to be three hours and it couldn't be longer. Nobody's watching anymore, Richard. They can't be bothered anymore. Other things have actually ensued. Lviv is is having bombs dropped at it. Uh, Joe Biden's forgotten where he is in the world. And Putin's obviously deciding, you know, should I actually put in to actually take over the British Commonwealth as well? Because let's face it, as Sarah will attest to, there are lots of Russians who are losing their places in London who possibly, you know, they've lost their oligarchy, etc. Maybe they should put out a bid for help. Just saying. Um, Sarah Huntley, Rebecca Bond, Kathy Manso, Natasha R. Wanton and Richard Fitzwilliams. Thank you as ever. Keep on keeping on. Uh, Natasha, in terms of our final music piece, we went in with a little excerpt from, of course, uh, Turning Red. Uh, should we go out with another little piece from Turning Red, in which case would you like to have a uh, the, the delights of keeping the panda or indeed uh, watch One True Love? Keeping the panda. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you know where you are with a panda and let's keep it. Keep watching the movies.